lately, I find myself just wanting to go back. Not back to just a few months ago, before we all learned how to eyeball a six-foot distance and judge the efficacy of hand sanitizer, and five-year-olds, together with their grandparents, learned how to Zoom. But way back I'm talking about here to St. Louis in many ways in its prime. Once a city of more than 700,000 people, the streets were full of action. People lived in solid brick homes and went to solid blue-collar jobs. It was a working and world-class city, shining with the afterglow of the World's Fair. Positioned along three rivers, and you would think to carry America forward for the next century to come. Do you ever just drive around and see the empty corner storefronts imagining what they used to be? And it would get better. The city population boomed after the Second World War, home to growing families and big business. But it would also get worse. Decades can take their toll, especially when you throw in racist housing policies, industry shift, and a few economic collapses. Well, we here at Abbey Eats like to believe that this city is going through a renaissance of sorts. It's not the thriving American city it once was, but the aspiration to show the world what we're made of is reflected in every new pane of glass installed in a once-derelict building, now repurposed into something new. It's relatively inexpensive to own a piece of this city, and people are buying up and building up. We're talking hotels, apartment buildings, office spaces, restaurants. But going back again to the St. Louis of the 1920s or so, a large warehouse in Midtown was buzzing with activity, the Century Electric Company. We now associate Midtown with St. Louis University for the most part, and Ikea, but at the time, the neighborhood along the Wabash Railroad line was the city's manufacturing hub. Century Electric was a top international builder of motors and generators. Their small motors actually helped in developing the household appliances that we rely on today. Eventually, the building became the Federal Mogul Foundry. Fast forward, and actually, the factory didn't really slow down all that much for quite some time, still turning out products until the lights finally went off in 2007. These days, though, when you drive down Highway 40 or Vandevena or Forest Park Avenue, instead of a giant empty warehouse like really you might expect in some parts of the area, the lights here are back on. The round-the-clock work continues, this time to build the City Foundry. We want City Foundry to be alongside the zoo and the arch and the museums as a stop on, uh, on any tourist or visitor's uh, itinerary because they can come and see the best that St. Louis has to offer. This week on Abbey Eats St. Louis, we're taking you inside what will be the city's newest hub for local food, as well as shopping, events, entertainment, even business. They have had to put things on pause for now. We'll talk about it. And that's all this is. City Foundry is absolutely happening. Yes. Uh, there's no doubt about that. What things will look and taste like once the place is built up and opened up, what inspired the project, and why this piece of real estate could be more valuable than ever. We've got many things on the horizon and we're really excited to, to show everyone what we're all about. Then, of course, stick around for food news and Weekend Planner.
They're calling the 15-acre property a creative complex, developers of the city foundry site. They'll have workspaces that are already mostly leased out, a grocery store and a movie theater slash restaurant, think less nacho cheese on your mega lounger and more indie films and craft cocktails. The businesses that are moving in? Focused on wide-ranging goals like regional growth and sustainability to digital media with a global audience. A conceptual event space and room for gathering in the outdoor areas wrapping through the campus. And, oh yeah, the part we're most excited about, the food hall. Think of it as kind of like a mall food court if the mall food court was handpicked by a critically acclaimed chef and hopefully less sticky. Gerard Kraft, the city's favorite celeb chef and head of the niche food group, is the culinary director. The tenants so far have our mouths watering. Comfort food by the folks behind Farm Truck, breakfast items by the owners of Polite Society and Bellwether, Japanese and Korean fusion by the owners of the popular board game bar Pieces. And it's not just a place for people who want to expand their business, by the way. For many, the business model of a small footprint in a larger space means this is the chance for them to take their first steps into the culinary world. Here's asset manager Will Smith. And as for the background, hum, we did this interview sitting six feet apart in a warehouse. So I hope you can listen past that. Well, the food hall has about 21 stalls in it, so 21 different operators. And we're looking at both uh, food uh, uh, operators that are producing food to be consumed on site, as well as a few uh, retail stalls that are selling more food-related product, whether that's a bakery or a charcuterie or a wine shop, something that you can take uh, to go with you. And so it's both a uh, food hall and a public market. And we're, make, we're working on this to make sure that it's it's uh, up and coming chefs. We want to partner with both established and up and coming. The uh, business model for the space is uh, really accessible to a chef that maybe has been an executive chef in a restaurant, but has not necessarily owned their own space before. And so we are able to work and partner with them or view them and work with them in a relationship that's closer to a partner than a landlord and tenant relationship to help them really launch their business. So we're really excited to have uh, a mix uh, and diversity of, of different operators in the space with different cuisines and, and a place where anyone in St. Louis can come and find something that they want to eat. Will's job as asset manager means he's essentially in charge of curating the place, determining the businesses who will make the project what he envisions. And really, his vision is part of the reason why this project is happening in the first place. He's a young guy, a millennial who grew up here and boomeranged back to St. Louis. His dad, Steve Smith, is an architect who runs Lawrence Group, the organization behind some of the more exciting development projects of even just the last few years, like taking part in the Union Station overhaul and transforming Grand Center, including building the Ungod Arts Hotel. He bought the Foundry property several years ago. Will moved home to take charge of the project once they thought they'd be pretty close to ready to open the place up. Earlier this month, they announced a delay in opening, though, the public-facing aspects, for reasons you can probably guess. I moved back just before the pandemic started, so it was a little bit of interesting timing there. And uh, But before then, I lived in Atlanta, Philadelphia. I had some short time working in New York and Chicago. And so every new place that I worked, I would drag my dad out there and I would take him to all my favorite spots in those cities and 
and we would brainstorm where could we do something similar? Where can we take something from those cities that that people love and, and are excited about and bring it back to St. Louis, uh, especially if it was something that we hadn't seen here yet? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. You said the P word, so we got to talk about the pandemic because that's the latest development here um, in the storyline sense is that things have been put on pause a little bit. Tell me about um, how that has impacted the opening and when we can anticipate people actually being able to get into this food hall and actually enjoy it. Right. So. The pandemic has paused in the sense that we uh, are, are very conscious about the safety of people entering the space. And so we're pausing the, uh, the more public opening of the space. However, we're full steam ahead on everything else. We have our office space is 95% leased. We've turned over several of those spaces to our office tenants. They're, they've moved in this summer more are moving in throughout the rest of the year on that same timeline. And we're getting everything ready and prepared. So when the uh, public feels safe, uh, entering into a space in large numbers, that we're ready as well. And our tenants are ready. A lot of what we've been doing is driven as well with working with our tenants to make sure that they're in a position to be successful too. And we're in a position where we can wait until everyone's ready. Mm-hmm. And so you said kind of a, it's a health angle. How much of it, though, has to do with the business of it, where you might have a food hall that doesn't or a food hall tenant that doesn't want to start setting up kitchen and hiring staff and all of that for people to not necessarily be ready to come back and they lose money and then the project starts stalling out because a, a pause is better than a full stop. Right. That's right. And that's all this is. City Foundry is absolutely happening. Yes. Uh, there's no doubt about that, uh, but we are, we're in, we're in very close communication with uh, not only our existing tenants, but our, our, uh, the tenants that we're recruiting right now and working with them to, to make sure that we're opening in a safe way that's not just safe for the public, but safe for their employees and also safe for the, the viability of their business. Because again, no one is successful unless they're successful. And when you say you've been really communicating with a lot of these tenants, um, you know, how, how are they feeling about this current moment? Have you had people say we're still all in and we're still waiting? Um, have you had anybody kind of renegotiate their space out or find new opportunities? How, how's that all been going for you? Yeah, so we've we've had conversations with all of our uh, tenants that we're, we're in, as well as all the tenants that we had lined up uh, and we're in active conversations with to come in for the future. And when kind of mid-March, everything more or less fell apart, we, <laughs> we paused. Yeah. We paused on everything. And uh, we knew that it was not an appropriate time uh, as, as businesses were fighting for their survival yeah. to talk about, hey, you excited still to open up uh, right. another location? Let's talk about moving forward with that. We wanted to respect um, their... Uh, their focus in that moment on, totally. on their current business. But right now, uh, our the interest in the food hall has uh, resumed to pre-COVID levels and in, in being in here. There are some times where, some places where plexiglass has been installed and that's just the new normal now. Everywhere you go, there's plexiglass, there's dividing lines, there are fewer tables in a space. Do you think you'd wanna open under those circumstances or would you want to wait until 
people can be packed in like in other city markets around the world. Yeah. So I think the main question that we're trying to answer when it comes to opening is, are we going to be, uh, are we kind of as a region, as a community heading towards a diminishing in the presence of, of this pandemic and the safety around that? We don't want to be in a position where we're necessarily um, potentially creating a conflict of interest and having people come together that could be unsafe. Um, but again, we don't know what's going to happen with this. We don't know how long this is going to last. So we're also working to make sure that we're doing everything we can to be able to open if there still is a presence uh, of, uh, of COVID uh, so that it's safe. A few of the other things we're working on, we're working on how, what would this look like for curbside delivery? We're working on what are the other you know, innovations around technology that we can start doing uh, to make our, our food hall t uh, tenants successful coming in here? Because that's ultimately what it comes down to is if we can if we could open up and ensure that there is going to be enough from in person and curbside and delivery and all of that to make it a success. Uh, we would. And so we're working on uh, all of those those processes to uh, be prepared for when it feels like we're, we're a little bit out of the woods here with uh, with the pandemic. With this piece of land, are you kind of trying to make St. Louis into the city that you want it to be, too? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, um, <laughs> I just, no shame in that. I just moved back and uh, and I, I certainly I mean, this project has been in the works for a while and I I always knew that I would move back at some point and um, and I'm excited. I'm certainly excited to have this um, for for the for the time that I'm here. And so, again, our organization, that's kind of what we're trying to do. We're trying to uh, we're trying to change not just the physical landscape, but also how people in the city or in the region think about St. Louis and wanting to come downtown um, and be in this space, as well as the country and what they're thinking about when they come to St. Louis. We want City Foundry to be alongside the zoo and the arch and the museums as a stop on, uh, on any tourist or visitors uh, itinerary because they can come and see the best that St. Louis has to offer from its, its food scene. And, and I've, again, living in so many other cities, I think St. Louis's food scene is one of the best. And uh, not everyone necessarily knows that when they come here. And so that's another opportunity for us to share uh, what's great about St. Louis. Yeah. And again, being here in the food hall, the fact that this is such like the heart of this space, what is it about the food hall environment that you enjoyed about the others that you'd visited that it kind of inspired this project that made you say, I want that here in St. Louis? I think, um, you know, thinking back to pre COVID, in obviously, the time before, I think, you know, having a place where anyone can come to and you're sitting down at a table and you're running into people that, you know, and you're meeting new people and it's a place to gather. It's a place for the community to come together and it's a place for everyone. And uh, I, I think that that we can all get behind eating great food, right? Everyone Absolutely. can get behind that. <laughs> and so that's what this is going to be all about is coming and celebrating the great food of St. Louis, meeting people, meeting friends, bringing visitors here and, and just having fun as a community. And it seems like that's something, frankly, that when all of this is done, whatever that looks like, 
that is the thing we've all missed the most is just being able to gather and share a meal and run into people we know and things like that. So do you feel sometimes now like this project is more important than it was even before all of this? Absolutely. I think not only is it important from the sense that it's going to bring people together after a time where we've been kept apart, uh, but it's also, I think, going to be really important and helpful to the food scene in St. Louis, um, kind of like the building, you know, that that was vacant and is, is being reborn. The food scene in St. Louis, uh, is, it needs something to rally behind as well. And we have positioned the food hall in a way to where uh, it, it can be a soft landing, perhaps, for some that have really struggled through this time as well. So while the big headline with this story and part of the reason we finally got to do our city foundry story is the fact that things are on pause, but they're not at a full stop. And examples of that, they have some events that are coming up. If you were listening to this right when we are dropping it, you might have time to register for a mingle event. It's kind of like a happy hour. Um, and you can also get a tour of the city foundry yourself on Friday. Uh, that is sponsored by the women's collective and they have different, uh, women who are going to be leading all local entrepreneurs who are going to be leading the, some of those tours. So that could be pretty cool opportunity to get to chat with some of them as well. And then another really big event that they're pushing for is the time for change event. It's going to celebrate black owned businesses. This is happening from 10 AM to 2 PM on August 30th. So We'll have another chance to remind you guys about this event before it happens, but it's going to be in partnership with Taste of Black St. Louis. So they're going to have food available from several Black-owned restaurants. It's all going to be outside, social distancing. Food's going to be pickup only, but you can also get a chance to like really see that space. It's $5 for tickets. 100% of the proceeds will be donated to Forward Through Ferguson as well as Action St. Louis. One cool thing I think they're doing with this as well is they're partnering with the initiative called She Votes. Um, they're really launching it there and they're going to be encouraging women to register to vote. So they're going to be selling apparel, accessories, jewelry. I mean, nothing like rocking the vote and looking good while doing it. So speaking of looking good, by the way, Dory Almos, my esteemed producer from afar, is with me now. And we were so excited to finally be able to do this City Foundry story. Yes. More excited when we can actually go inside. Yes, it made me so excited just reading through this week's episode. I cannot wait. It is going to be so cool. Um, when I lived in Baltimore, there was a um, like a food hall there that I just absolutely loved. It's one of those places where it just takes the guesswork out of gathering with your friends. That's a you great way to put it. You can all just go there and get your own thing to eat, right? There's no, you know, hemming and hawing over where you're going to get dinner that night. I also really loved being able to just do that interview in person. We've been doing most of our interviews <laughs> socially distant. And so it was kind of cool to actually get in and be able to see that space. And we'll, of course, keep you guys updated as we're learning more. One thing he really did stress, though, um, is that they don't want to put a date out there and then have to change that and have to bend mm -hmm. that. Cause we've seen so many things like the weddings that get postponed and then canceled and then postponed to get like, they don't want to have right. to do that. So they're just kind of going to keep um, reading the room and figuring out what's going on there before they put a big date out there for that. So we will I keep you updated though when we get that. Yeah. I think that's smart. 
all I need to know is that it's still happening. So I'm good yes. to go there. <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking of happenings, we've got a lot of food news to cover this week. Um, and it, it go, runs the gamut, basically. And of course, we're coming to you ahead of the weekend of August 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Dory, what do we got in the headlines? So big news for one of our favorite barbecue joints, Salt and Smoke is going nationwide. They're going to be shipping their meat out to everybody in all four corners of the continental U.S. They wrote, now every city and household can have authentic and outstanding barbecue from the best. Cannot agree more. Um, they also launched meat subscription boxes. So these are $200. They include a whole brisket, a rack of ribs, an Amish chicken and a pork butt, and two bottles of sauce. And I have to say, I have a friend who lives in in Salt Lake City, and he is so excited about this. He was the one who actually told me about this happening. That's so funny. <laughs> and he has already ordered his box, so stand by for reviews from Salt Lake City. Wow. I, I mean, good for them. Congratulations nationwide. We talked about that. Was that just last week when you got your Baltimore um, crab cakes? And mm -hmm. it's a great way. We know how many people are out there who maybe are from St. Louis but haven't been able to travel home due to situations and circumstances of 2020. And this is an awesome way that they can get a taste of home from afar. Yeah. And a very but, tasty taste too. Yes. But speaking of taste, not all taste news is good news, it turns out this week. Yeah, this one kind of hit hard for us and probably just about every foodie in St. Louis. Taste of St. Louis has been canceled. This ultimate food event is off for this year due to coronavirus concerns. They said they tried to think of every possible way to host this event safely but it's just not going to be able to happen this year. But they are looking ahead to next year. So that's at least good to hear. Yeah, this is tough for us at the pod because, you know, without saying too much, we were really excited to be involved in some capacity this year. Um, mm -hmm. I even talked to one of the marketing planners about all of this, and we were spitballing all these ideas of how we could make it work, how it could happen. But really, a lot of them could mean some, um, not risk necessarily, but a lot of work on behalf of these restaurants that are already trying to uh, keep their heads above water. And so even if it seemed like a fun, cool event, it needed to, of course, be celebrating and honoring the different restaurants. So just imagine how great 2021's is going to be when we're once again being able to bring a celebration together like that. So yes, they made the right choice. I think so too. Yep. Unfortunate, but probably needs to happen that way. And the coronavirus has had its impact on so many things, as we've talked about here. And that includes some of our other favorite popular festivals, but they're not necessarily getting canceled, just changes happening. Right. Schlafly is moving forward with two of their popular festivals. The Art Outside event will be a virtual art fair this year featuring more than 40 artists. It's happening over Labor Day weekend, so that is still on in a virtual capacity. Also, Hop in the City. This is one of their biggest events that they do every year where you get to try a, a huge variety of Schlafly Spears. So they're doing this in a different way where you can take the event home. They're going to have a mixed case for $85 with 24 of Schlafly's most popular and also their experimental beer. So a little bit of a mixed bag there that you can do your own little Hop in the City at home. But they are doing some on-site socially distance events with both of these. So 
small people, reservations, tickets required. If you check out Schlafly's website, they have details on how they're doing these sort of socially distanced events for both of these festivals. Have you, during this pandemic especially, had a little too much to drink and bought something online that you're like, why did I buy this? Because that's all I can think about with the (laughs) art festival being virtual. Get me a bunch of beer and some cool art to be browsing and a limited event on that weekend. And I have a feeling that I'm going to have to be guarding my credit cards (laughs) during something like that. I, I've bought a 2021 calendar so far, so I'm clearly looking ahead. Wow, that's, that's poetic, Dory. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, a reminder that we have all of this information. Uh, as Dory mentioned, that's on, the, you can get tickets and things online. And whenever the food news involves a temporary opening or closure of a restaurant due to the coronavirus or other um, economic concerns or anything like that, we are going to be working to keep you posted on that on our Instagram story. So make sure you're following that. Dory, what's the best thing you had to eat this week? So this weekend, my husband and I celebrated our anniversary. Woo! Um, Yes, we decided to get, we both really wanted seafood. So we decided to try somewhere new. We ordered to go from Bait in the Central West End, which I think you can probably smell from where you're sitting right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The best thing I had from there honestly was an appetizer that we ordered. It was the duck rangoon. It was so creamy and tasty. Mm. It had smoked duck, cream cheese, and this um, mango chili sauce that you dip it in. And it was just so delightful and different that I'm still craving it. It was really, really good. They also had cocktails to go that I really enjoyed. I got the strawberry margarita, which had a mezcal tequila in it. And I absolutely love mezcal with that smoky taste to it too. Um, I've never had it in a strawberry margarita. So that was a nice little change up. It was really Interesting. good. Interesting. That, that's all like you're having remixes on popular things like not crab margarita and strawberry margarita, but like a little different. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like yep, that. It was really good. How about you? So mine was also from this weekend and I got together with a small group of friends to literally sit in the front yard on lawn chairs and drink wine and catch up. Um, and not, we didn't drink ketchup. We were catching up. <laughs> and, um, but one of the things I wanted, you know, we wanted to bring some snacks and I went to AO and co, which is the marketplace owned by chef Ben Paremba. It is in the same building as Indo. It's in Botanical Heights where that's just a little like food oasis right there. I mean, when you, where you have and all of those cool places in such a close distance. That little shop is so cute too. Yes. You just wander in and it really, during everything that's happened the past couple months, if I have to go into a store, I'm usually in and out, but I was just wandering and looking at all the different foods and drinks they have. If you are planning on going to a socially distanced outdoor gathering and you're not sure what to bring and you're tired of chips and dip, then or just your average chips and dip, then stop by AO and Co. Cause they have so many different things. Um, I picked up a tub of the Greek feta dip with oh. some bruschetta, like sliced breads for it. Oh my goodness. It was so good. So flavorful. It tasted so fresh and it was so yummy. And then I also picked up a couple gifts for the hosts as well. Like some, um, kale, 
pesto and some tomato, sun-dried tomatoes and things like that. It's just a great little place to feel like you're escaping the hubbub of the busy grocery store um, when you're looking for something nice like that. So it's good for the summer too. Yeah, lots of cute little finds in there. So speaking of summer though, I like to look at the calendar. I'm not lo- getting an early start on my next year calendar. I'm not even <laughs> wanting to think about it being almost September. But uh, Dory, you put together kind of uh, some information this week about the different fall selections that are already st- starting to come our way. Yeah. So just sort of perusing our website and seeing stories that are, are out there, I'm already seeing a lot of fall drinks and foods that are hitting store shelves. And I did, I went to the grocery store yesterday and Schnooks had their huge fall beer display already set up and ready for you to browse. So for one, to begin our list here, there's definitely beer on store shelves that you can pick up now to really get yourself in that fall, fall mood. Yeah, that includes, of course, you have the Schlafly Pumpkin Ale and their Oktoberfest, O'Fallon Brewery, their pumpkin variety pack now. So we're talking salted caramel, original whip, which is like a cream ale, and a Mexican hot chocolate, which was my like surprise new favorite beer of last fall, winter time or whatever. Yeah, I want to try that one. Fall, winter time. I'm not ready for it yet, but <laughs> the, the Urban Chestnut, their OCATS Oktoberfest lager, and Four Hands has their, of course, Oktoberfest style beer. I like Oktoberfest and I like that time of year, but again, it's just, uh, I'm looking at my pool right now. I'm like, not, not ready for it yet. But <laughs> not ready for it yet. I'm with you there. But speaking of pool, everyone's favorite summer drink is getting ready for the campfire. We've got a seltzer that is going to be pumpkin spice flavored. Yeah, that's, I can't even, I I feel like that's what it would taste like if you accidentally put some seltzer in a can that had something pumpkin in it later. But we'll, (laughs) you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, it's the, is it Viv or Viv? I think it's Viv, hard spice. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure how to pronounce it, but that doesn't matter all it, yeah, they're, they're the smaller camp. regional place. So yeah, it's yeah. Viv, I believe, hard seltzer, pumpkin spice. Um, is this a quote from their marketing? Yep. Yes. Go ahead, roll your eyes, take a sip. That's hilarious. I love it, right? I mean, that actually makes me kind of want to try it. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's pool friendly, I guess, campfire friendly. (laughs) And, but I think it's not available here in Missouri, unfortunately. You would have to take a little bit of a road trip to Ohio, Kentucky, or Tennessee, I believe, to be able to find that one. So open this can of seltzer it's only a matter of time before it spreads its way up to st louis we're gonna that's right that eventually <laughs> um well of course everyone's favorite coffee is coming back this year in pumpkin spice form as well yeah i mean this not even to mention all the pumpkin spice bonanza at starbucks but duncan um you can also get their pumpkin flavored coffee and espresso available on wednesday is that today wednesday that, or like next today wednesday? when we're recording this. we're recording this so right now it's fall surprise <laughs> I'm wearing a tank top right now, so I don't know. We'll see about that. So this next whole like round of things got me kind of intrigued because we're talking about Halloween treats. And, you know, trick-or-treating is probably also going to look very different this year, but I'm just going to get straight to the chase. Dory and I are a little concerned about this next round of uh, Halloween items. Hershey's is coming out with four new sweets that put a spin on the classics, a Halloween spin, but 
cookies and cream, the Hershey bar that you like that, you know, it's pretty simple. You don't mess with it. Um, it, you can bite into it. It looks like fangs. All right. That's, that's fine. That's kind of funny. Um, but this one, the Reese's Franken cup. There's yes. Green cream on the bottom half. Yes. Yeah, so if you look at it, it's almost like they took a Reese's cup and just dipped the bottom half in this almost lime green looking cream color. Like you said, I have concerns. <laughs> it does not look great to me. I'm sure it is something kids will love though. Like think back to when you're like seven, anything that's a weird color like that, you want to just gobble up, right? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. I made it to adulthood, so I guess these kids will too. But <laughs> and the, the kisses with strawberry flavored cream inside, I guess to look kind of like blood and spooky. Blood, that yeah. sounds good. But then you get back to the green stuff with the Kit Kat Witches Brew with marshmallow flavored green cream again. Like yes, this is a straight that. up green Kit Kat that <laughs> I'm I'm not going to go anywhere near. But kids have at it if you want that in your trick or treat bucket. It's all yours. <laughs> Dory will happily trade you. <laughs> <laughs> so that is if you want a taste of the fall. Um, but also this weekend, you can get a little bit of a taste of the fall as well. Once again, August 21st through 23rd, we're coming at you. Uh, starting this Saturday is actually pick your own apple season at Eckert's. Um, that's this is beginning. the whole thing I can get behind, by this, the way. I'm, I'm all in favor of that because it's nice if the weather's nice, especially with gorgeous weather like we've been Ugh. having here in the St. Louis area. Um, Belleville and Grafton Farms are going to be opening with their Gala, apple, Gala apples. Um, the Millstat Farm is opening on September 2nd with their Jonathan apples. Here's the thing to remember, though. You can't just, like, hop in the car and just go. You want to have a reservation. Um, it is a reservation-only system. You'll need to pick a time slot online and as always, when you leave the house these days, don't forget your masks. So, but either other than that, it's go, it's go time for getting some apples. And it's also go time, hopefully still by the time you hear this <laughs> podcast, for some of our favorite teams. Yes, Cardinals baseball coming back to St. Louis. Thank goodness after way too long. Um, the Redbirds are playing at Bush Stadium from Thursday through literally all next week. So... <laughs> It's so much baseball. <laughs> it's so much. You look at your clock and just assume the Cardinals are playing somewhere at some at some point in the day, all right? Um, so if you've been wanting to head down to Ballpark Village, there will be plenty of opportunities for you to head down there and bring your mask, do some social distance game watching across from the stadium, of course, because we can't be inside. Mm -hmm. And one other option is Nine Mile Garden. They're going to be showing the Cardinals game Sunday afternoon. And then also, we can't forget about our blues. It is now a best, as of tonight, Wednesday, when we're recording this, Wednesday afternoon, is the best of three series. So we've got Friday's game for sure. And then if needed, we'll have Sunday's game as well. Uh, taking on the Canucks in the Western Conference first round. Get out, support the blues wherever you can. I'm sure um, Ballpark Village will be showing those games as well. My heart is starting to beat faster, even just talking about this right now. Gosh. Let's move on here. <laughs> so um, speaking of festivals and things that we were talking about earlier, and um, the Taste of Maplewood Street Festival, that's always a fun thing that is changing this year. So that actually starts today. Um, and so by the time you hear this, Taste will be happening. They are going to have all sorts of different ways of doing it, though. They're going to have essentially the, stop, the shop small punch card. So if you, it, it rewards you for stopping by some of these small businesses to, who are participating. 
they're going to have a mini fest on the 22nd on Saturday from noon to six, where not only are they asking you to come in and dine with the small businesses there, but then also they'll have some pop-up stores around the downtown business district and some live music set up in different places. So that's all going to be pretty cool happening there. Um, just check out their website as well. They're going to be talking about ways that they're trying to make sure that they're bringing us together as much as possible during this celebration, um, even though it's a little bit different this year. But cheers to Maplewood. Yeah. Great. Um, a lot of great food options over there in Maplewood. Totally. Um, also happening all weekend is the Late Summer Nights Stroll in Forest Park. This is part of the St. Louis Shakespeare Festival. You might have seen some posts on social media with these arches popping up in Forest Park. This is part of that festival event. There's a one-mile self-guided tour. goes through a bunch of iconic spots and hidden gems in the park. But along the way, you can see performances and art installations inspired by the Shakespeare, Shakespeare play. That includes 14 of those arches that are painted by Painted Black STL. Um, they'll be up now through September 6th. You can do this self-guided tour anytime. And I think there's um, like little audio things you can listen to as well online while you're doing that stroll. Um, but if you want to experience those performances and the like music and dancing that's going on with that you have to go from between 5 p.m to 7 40 p.m tuesday through sunday so that'll get you that full experience for the late summer's night stroll in forest park late summer but the operative word there is it's still summer so you're going to be hearing that from us for a couple more weeks because it's still summer and we still have a lot to celebrate in summer of 2020 Abby Eats St. Louis is a Five on Your Side production. I'm Abby Larico. I'm Dory Olmos. Special thanks this week to Christina Weaver for helping us get inside the city foundry. And make sure you're subscribed to our podcast so that you get all the latest updates and the different stories that we are still working hard to tell for all of you guys. And leave us a rating and review as well. Our Instagram is at Abby Eats St. Louis. Make sure you're following and tagging us there. Until next week, seize the plate. <laughs> <laughs>